Hey Bourbon Bay, this is Steven, your host. Just here with my friend Gray, uh, who graciously decided to have me talk to him. He's with Whiskey Culture, that is his podcast, and we're gonna find out a little bit about, you know, all the great things that he's been doing with it, and his backstory, and he's an author with the Whiskey History is one of his books. He's also coming out with another book. And so, yeah, I'll turn it over to Greg now to tell us about himself. And Thank you for having me, Steve, man. I appreciate it. And I, I always love to collaborate with, you know, fellow, fellow uh, you know, bloggers and, and podcasters. I think that one of the things that there's not enough of in the community is that collaboration. Uh, because a rising tide raises all ships, man. And when we all work together, it's just better for the whiskey community. And it gives them an opportunity to... Um, to really see where, how we collaborate, how we come together, and how we create this content, but not just that, but when we when we combine it, we're able to put out better content for those people. Um, so thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you for having me. I was really excited when you reached out, um, and I think this is going to be great, man. We're both local in the area, and um, I think it's really cool when you are able to link up with the other people in your local area because there's just so much to cover when it comes to whiskey history uh, that it, it there's just there's not enough people covering it, in my opinion. You've got a lot of people that'll just post some pictures on, on Instagram and stuff, and that's great. Part of the community, it's wonderful, but there's not enough people that are reaching in and pulling out that history, and there's just so much of that history around the world. No, yeah, and I mean, that's one reason why, because when I started to see your podcast, I kind of saw that, hey, we have similar tastes, we love history, and in that aspect, it's like, like you said, it's. Uh, we're trying to shine a light on this community down here in Florida, which, I mean, just within the last couple of years, man, has really grown uh, from just a few small distilleries to now, I guess, it's close to about 80 uh, from what I've read. And so, yeah, I, I'm interested in the history part like you, where I would love to kind of discover that Florida history. Because, I mean, everybody knows about Kentucky's history when it comes to distilling. But I, I think it's kind of an untapped um, knowledge that, like, okay, well, hey, what about Florida history? I think there's a lot of areas to go. But uh, and you have already kind of written, like we talked about, uh, a book about whiskey history from around the world. You mentioned that you're gonna you're doing another book, which it's the Leg Legends. Um, yeah, yeah, whiskey legends. Yeah, whiskey legends. Um, so if you want to tell us a little bit about that, a little bit. Um, you don't have to go into too much detail, but... <laughs> yeah, really, really high level. Let me take you guys for an hour. Every, every facet, no, I'm just kidding. So, but uh, anyways, just joking. So, I have always wanted to be a writer. I've been a total bookworm forever. I'm a total history buff. Um, and it's funny, because I've started books before, and then I either talked myself out of finishing them, or I just got captivated by another project and just, you know, I, I have about, 15 unfinished books on my desk. Um, and when whiskey culture really started to take off, I mean, uh, with whiskey culture, I'm really passionate about history. I'm passionate about community, people, storytelling. I love storytelling um, and I love writing. And so the whiskey world has kind of marries all of my passions beautifully. And so I, I sat down and I started whiskey history from around the world. And I just said, I'm not going to take on any other project until I finish writing this book. And uh, it got to the point where I, I got border, borderline obsessive. My wife was a little bit worried about me for a while. And um, 
it was, I, I was, I did get to the point where I was drinking flaming absinthe and writing my book. And uh, I was like, I'm channeling my inner, my inner writer. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was just, it dove me even farther into that pool, just that, that depthless pool that is the history behind whiskey and the stories behind whiskey. It just seems like whenever you think you know a lot about whiskey, you've really only scratched the surface. And there's just, I mean, because it's ongoing right now, we're in another huge surge. And there's so many new stories being made, you know, there's, there's documents coming out now and distilleries are unearthing new stories. And these stories are just continuing to expand what we thought was a finite lane of history. And it's just getting wider and wider and wider. And every time that, you know, and that, that's why with the Whiskey History Book, now I'm doing Whiskey Legends where every chapter is a different look into a, an individual, uh, you know, figure in Whiskey History story so that you have a snapshot into uh, their lives. And so, I'm just going to continue putting out these whiskey history books as long as stuff keeps growing, man. It's just, I love it so much and it's, I mean, it's what I love to talk about. So how could I not write them? I mean, I'm definitely looking forward to the next book with you guys, um, or when it gets finished, but, and yeah, you're right. It's, there's always something new to discover. I mean, like I saw the one podcast that you did with Mount Vernon, or, uh, yeah. yeah, with, uh, George Washington's, which that's more of a recent, um, one that's kind of come out like in the last couple of years was the Mount Vernon. It's really cool. So they, they made historical recreations of all of the equipment in George Washington's uh, distillery based off of historical sketches and um, accounts of what they were making and the process that they were using. So they actually don't implement new technology. It's a very slow process, but they're creating historically accurate whiskey and it's a drinkable part of history, which is really cool. Yeah, I mean, and I think that's the best way to learn about history is that interaction that you get. So for them to do that, I think it's amazing. Um, but now kind of going into, you guys, you just recently started with Whiskey Culture, the Barrel Select Program. So if you kind of want to talk a little bit about that and get people interested, um, because, you know, it sounds like a really good program that, you know, not a lot of people, I mean, stores do it, retail stores, they do the barrel select where, you know, they have a team that goes to the distillery and chooses it. But here it sounds like you're trying to actually get people, regular people, you know, in the community involved in choosing barrel select program, or barrel selects. Yeah, so what we're doing with our community is, so we're, our first uh, collaboration is with Black Button in New York. And they're creating a proprietary blend that's limited to 100 bottles and we have had a huge response from it. Um, but there's just not gonna be enough bottles to go around. Um, but what we're doing is we sent out a survey to all of our followers. And that survey asks about flavor profiles, what type of whiskeys you like right now, uh, what are you drinking, do you prefer a sweeter profile, what are your top three favorite flavor profiles, all these kinds of things. And they're actually gonna take all of the surveys from our followers and they're going to create custom blends based on those responses oh, okay. and then we're going to live stream when we get those in and allow our community to essentially pick the first bottle and there will only be a hundred now we're doing some traditional barrel picks and those are going to be things like you know you would find out a store they're just picked by us but the other thing that we're doing is we're doing some of these custom blend programs and we're doing a private barrel program that we're starting to, to ramp up we had our first private barrel sell out in a month uh, which was pretty sweet. I was really excited about that. I was super nervous. 
uh, about that because it came out of my pocket, just like a lot of whiskey culture did starting. Uh, you know, I had, to, I had to sit down with my wife and the owners of the distillery and <laughs> convince my wife it was a good idea and then also convince myself it was a good idea. So we're picking those and what we're doing is we're finding distilleries that have a really unique product um, that aren't really to market in the area. They're, they're distilleries that might have a unique expression that's not uh, available to your regular consumer. And we are purchasing the whole barrel and we're partnered up with, uh, with Dark Door and they're going to be uh, bottling all of our blends. We're gonna be working with a local artist um, and she's gonna be designing our label and we're gonna do an unveil of that. So we'll have the new batches every time they come out. But uh, we launched our Barrel Club program because we know things like this get really limited and they go really fast. We partnered with um, an online distributor so people are able to get it. There was a lot of people bummed out that our first one was a, a Tampa only local. Um, but now people are gonna be able to get it around the country and. Um, we're going to be working to highlight these distilleries. So, whereas a lot of people will kind of just put uh, their label on the front of it, we're actually putting uh, about the distillery, the distillery's logo, the name, where it's located, on the side. So, we're using this barrel program to actually uh, elevate other distilleries and, and bring them up and help get the word out about distilleries that we think might have fallen by the wayside, not be in the spotlight yet, but we think have an exceptional product. And I mean, that just sounds like a really good thing, especially like you said, for distillers that aren't so well known compared to the big guys. Um, it sounds like it would be a great program, especially for, you know, like Dark Door or Gambler Bay. Uh, it would just be a really good program to kind of highlight, you know, and especially I think here in Tampa. And even though that's a, some people might have been upset, but hey, <laughs> I think Tampa is a huge market. Um, baby steps. Yeah, baby steps. <laughs> But, uh, and that's kind of like the great thing, and I really think that's going to be awesome. So, uh, any other uh, thing that you think you'd want to share with my uh, subscribers or guests that they might want to know? Or? No, just, uh, just make sure, guys, when you're to support your local distilleries, um, if they're doing things right and by the books, make sure that you're going and you're visiting and you're checking them out because the one of the things that I like to say is I, I love distilleries big and small. Big distilleries have great long histories that you know span back hundreds of years or so and you can get so much out of that. And you can see kind of that heritage where whiskey's come from and how it's grown in the area. But the, the analogy that I use is some of these distilleries are so big. Imagine just like a big ship right out at sea. You have to have dozens to hundreds of hands on deck to make that ship turn, mm -hmm. even in good wind, right? And the thing is, is these craft distillers, they don't have these big, massive, monolithic ships that take forever to turn. They're in these little cutters and these schooners that, you know, that it takes just a couple of people and they're able to get that order across and they're able to, to turn on the dime, you know? And so it's these craft distillers that are still blazing the trail, you know? They're, they're out there taking risks, they're trying new things, they're able, to, they're able to try a different mash bill every single run and, and find what works best for them and find what's new and what's, what people are wanting to drink and what the flavor profiles are, are at that point. And it, it takes us as the whiskey community to support them so that we can continue to get that innovation and to continue to get that trailblazing. Because it's those people that, that you might have the first time 
uh, somebody finish it in a, in a specific type of beer barrel or, you know, you got to imagine the first person that tried to finish a whiskey in a sherry cask, I bet you they, they did not think that thing was going to blow up like it did. Now, everyone's got a sherry cask, but it was originally some of the smaller distillers that started doing that because they were able to do it. They were able to buy one sherry cask, age it for a little bit, put it in a bottle, change the label, get it out to market, and they didn't have all this red tape to go through. So I would really just say, if you can see local distilleries around you, go check them out, support them, do a tour. Um, they're really cool and they are the people that are trailblazing and they're writing today's history for whiskey that, you know, hopefully in, in 50 years, there's gonna be some Jigger in your hand. Then you're going to want to get an orange bitter. A couple on the market here that we're using. A couple dashes of that. Then you have get yourself Luxardo cherries. I, I think you know this is a take on even though it's a, a it's a whiskey rest a whiskey craft cocktail. It's actually you know the. We're using a rum substitute here, but Luxardo makes a great cherry, and you can put a little bit in the mixing glass, or you can actually put them in the cocktail. Sometimes I'll just mix a little bit of the, of the syrup in there. So glasses. And one of the coolest things that you can do when you are making a craft cocktail is just substitute one spirit for another. It's so funny how you'll find so many cocktails have been made by just substituting a couple things here and there, like one type of fruit for another, one spirit for another, and it's just an infinite branch of, of craft cocktails. Serve it on a nice cube or spear. And then you're gonna want to garnish with the Luxardo cherry. Syrup on there. Voila. That is good. That's really good. <laughs> we're, proud, we're proud of our recipes and vanilla, caramel. I mean, there's spice. There's still that apple in there. I'm telling you, man. But there's, I mean, you get a little bit of almost some pink peppercorn in there. You get Obviously the cherry from the Luxardo, but I mean, the, the thing is, is a lot of people think that rum's incredibly sweet. And some are, because some add sugars post-distillation. There's a lot of post-distillation process that goes into spirits that you wouldn't know about. Um, but 
It's not, you know, even with the simple syrup, you think rum's already gonna carry a lot of that sweetness, but the simple syrup serves to brighten it. You get a little bit of that, I mean, it, it gives it a little bit of that butterscotch, you know, which you do like from, from a lot of whiskeys that you do get in certain old fashions, but you get that, that brown sugar, you get a little bit of that apple spice, a little bit of the banana bread. It, it is really nice and balanced cocktail. Yeah, and it's, a, it's bold and spicy up front that a whiskey drinker would definitely appreciate, you know, when I, when I, you know, obviously you can drink it neat, and it's 114 proof navy string, so it's definitely bold. Um, I like a cocktail like this at 114 you know, proof because the back half of the drink is the best part of the drink. If you're having a dinner, it just, it holds, it holds a little bit of punch still. But uh, well, thanks for coming yeah. over, guys. Um, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Cheers. Thank you, guys. Thank, Thank you, guys. You. Thanks for joining me, guys. Have an amazing day, and cheers.